Good morning, Chapel Point. How's everybody doing? Great. I like whoever that person is. I like you. 11.30, like, come on. How are you guys doing? Good. Happy New Year. It's so good to be with you guys. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just excited that we get to launch into this new year together. Uh, It has been an incredible day uh, already with our church family gathered over the two previous services, and I'm just excited what God is going to do in and through this church family over this next year. God has been on the move, and God is going to continue to be on the move in us and by God's grace through us to see the world experience what we just saw on that screen, that Christ is greater than anything. And that may sound crazy to you, but we truly believe that. Our team does, our elders, all the volunteers in this place that are teaching kids and discipling students and serving all across our community, that is why we exist is to do one thing, and it's to proclaim the supremacy of Jesus Christ in everything. We truly believe he is greater than anything, and that is why uh, we want to step into this new year and just invite you into that to say, I want my life, everything, to be wrapped around who Jesus is. And so we're going to pick back up in our series on Hebrews, which does that very thing. The book of Hebrews has one goal and one purpose over its chapters to say Jesus is superior, that Jesus is ultimate, Jesus is everything for us. And he does that by helping the people of Israel see that everything that has come before is ultimately pointing to Jesus. And it challenges us in order to respond to that, to live in light of that, that when Jesus steps onto the scene, he changes everything. And so that's what we get to step into uh, this moment. We're going to pick up. And I'm going to date myself here. Uh, Does anybody remember the show 24? Is back in the day when you like had to buy like, the whole DVD set, you know, and it like folds out like, and then you had like pop this thing, like young people, it's called a DVD, a digital video disc, high tech stuff. You place it in uh, and you'd have to get up after the disc ran out, you know, which is such a pain, you know, like I can just stream it, you know. Um, but that show 24, uh, it always started and I always loved it in that moment. Uh, it, I think Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland is the guy in his voice, he'd be like, previously on 24. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, just me. All right, fantastic. Um, But previously, I'm just going to pick up previously on Hebrews, in Hebrews, around Hebrews, pick a preposition. There we go. Previous, excuse me, previously in Hebrews, I'm going to just catch us up where we've been because we are going to pick up today in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20. So if you want to turn there, you can go ahead and turn to that place. But I want to catch us up. If this is your first time, we are jumping right smack dab into the middle of this book. And we truly believe as we walk through the scriptures that the Bible is one cohesive story telling the story of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be really careful that we don't just drop in, take a couple Bible verses and pull something out and say, oh, there's our, you know, good motto for the day, or there's our, you know, like good moral principle. The Bible has a very specific goal as we read books of the Bible. They are meant to be read together because it's one big idea over and over again and the different nuances of that. And so I want to catch us up. So previously in the book of Hebrews, our series Perfect, where we're examining Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1 starts out in the first three verses and it says that Jesus is the exact imprint of God. So I want you to think about that for a moment. When Mary, as we just stepped out of the Christmas holiday and celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ, as Mary held baby Jesus, she was looking at the exact imprint of God Almighty. 
And as Jesus grew to be a young man, Joseph leading him and raising him, if it, and we don't know all these stories, so I'm kind of inferring some of this, but as Jesus grew up as a young adolescent and teenager and a young man, he was the exact imprint of God Almighty. And as Jesus begins his messianic ministry around the age of uh, 30, he steps in. He's the exact imprint that every person who encountered Jesus in conversation and shook his hand and greeted him got to meet God in the flesh. The exact imprint of God Almighty. That's how this book starts. And its goal is to lift up. This is Jesus. He is ultimate and supreme. And this is the one we should orient every part of our life around. In Hebrews chapter 2, continuing on in 1 in chapter 2, what begins to happen is the writer is going to draw a distinction between something that the Hebrew people, the main audience of this book, as they were reading it, they had a system in place, a social structure in place. They built their whole entire life around these laws and these structures, all these things that were given to them And what begins to happen is the writer's going to show Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the law that was given in Hebrews 1 and 2. Because Jesus is the fulfillment where the messengers, these angels, are the ones who would come and proclaim the news of God. Jesus is the message. Where the law was given to help people see and how to walk in relationship with God, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the law. When we walk in relationship with Jesus, we walk in relationship with God. And we don't have to abide by all these different laws that were given in the Old Testament. Because Jesus has come to fulfill them and he's going to lead us in a new way of living, a new way of life in him. He's greater than Moses in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 in the promised land. Moses was like the ultimate hero of their faith. He was the one who led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. He was the one that that everybody looked to. He's the one who stepped on Mount Sinai and received the law from God and all of the things that were written down in the Torah. He was the one, and they said, this is Moses. He's our great leader, and so we're always going to call back to him, reference him, and the writer of Hebrews says, Moses delivered the people of Israel But we kept falling back into bondage and sin time and time again. But Jesus is the great deliverer once for all. They're going to draw that distinction. And then moving on in 5, 6, 7, and 8, we get to hear about the high priest. And so as we ended, before we stepped into the Christmas series, where we looked at different pictures and nuances of who Jesus is, we began to understand that Jesus is a high priest a high priest who comes from a different way uh, of understanding for the Hebrew people because for the Hebrew people, all high priests had to come through the Levitical line and they had to obey all these different family structures and systems and rules that they put in place. But Jesus shows up and he's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. It's this interesting name. It's this small passage in Genesis and it highlights that Jesus is different and he is better than the other systems because it is a one that got established before all the other laws and all the other things are at play. And as we continue in the, these passages today, we're going to find out a little bit more about what a high priest is and what a high priest would do and why Jesus is a better high priest. So here's a, here's a question for you. We're about to get just, we're going to get real. I'm going to ask you guys to be really honest. For Christmas, how many of you bought your own Lego set for yourself. 
Oh, nobody. Wow, you guys are all lovely people. Okay, I'm not going to tell you anything that I did for Christmas then. How many of you have ever bought, how many of you bought Legos for your kids though? Now all of you actually bought them for yourself. Now, now I know the truth. You bought them for your, yourself, or you bought them for your kids, you gave them as gifts, and who doesn't love putting together Lego sets all over uh, the holiday? They're fun, they're like puzzles, they're awesome. You know what is not fun about Legos? Stepping on them, that is true. They are a little shrapnel all over your house. Like, that's just crazy. Somebody needs to invent a vacuum that's just for Legos, you know, like, anyway. And we just go down that road later. No, what is, what is, like, what I love about Legos is when it's completed, when it's done. What I cannot stand is when my children get a hold of them. And they take my Jeep Rubicon two-door. And what is this? I do not know. Because they took all the parts, they built something else out of it, and I've been, since September when I got this for my birthday, have still been looking for my wheels and tires. <laughs> so if my kids are in the room or if they're listening, find my toys and put them back together, okay? Because it was awesome. This was the little one that you could drive it. Even had a winch and a rope, and they broke it. They took my Legos, and they broke it, and they messed it up. What I love about Legos is when it's complete. And how often do we in our lives, even as we step into this new year, we come into this moment where we have to look at our lives, we have to think about things, and we have to recalibrate, and we have to do things differently, and we have to fix things, and we have to find pieces, and we have to get back on a diet program or a workout program or all these sorts of things. Or I'm going to start going to church more. I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm going to fix something that is broken in me. And how often do we look for something that's permanent, a final solution, a once and done thing to fix it? What I want us to understand today is a word called permanent. Everyone say permanent. Today we get to find out that Jesus is a better high priest because he is permanent. He is not going to move. He is not going to change. He is not going anywhere. You at this moment have a high priest, and we're going to find in the scriptures in a moment, a high priest who is not going to change. A high priest who is sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf. You have a high priest who is for you, praying for you, lifting you up before God Almighty, the Father, on your behalf right now. You don't have to go and every time find the pieces and begin to fix yourself because Jesus is the once and for all person for us, the high priest who will help us mediate our relationship with God. And so we're going to pick up in chapter 7, verse 20. And it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in the office. But he holds his priesthood, say it with me, permanently. Because he continues forever. He continues forever. Jesus stands in place of a system and a structure that was a shadow, if you remember as we ended the series, if you were with us, that the priest order is a foreshadowing of who Jesus is 
and what he's come to do. And so here's, if you're taking notes, I want you to understand what is the role of a priest. Very simply, they are to help mediate the relationship of the divine with humans. A priest is to stand in the gap in the middle between divinity and our humanity. That is what a priest is supposed to do. And so as we remember the story of Genesis chapter 3, sin steps in and breaks our relationship with God, who in Genesis 1 made everything sinless, perfect, and said, it is good. Sin enters the story and breaks our relationship with God, where a holy God can no longer live and exist with sinful people. There is a barrier between them. And from the very beginning, God knew that you and I would need a mediator. That we would need someone to stand in the gap for us. And so he began to lead and guide people. You're going to need a priest to mediate the relationship with me. He established the priest order, the Levitical line of priests that we talked about previously. That they would be the ones who would offer sacrifices in the temple, in the tent of meeting so that God and his people could live in a relationship together. Which, if, if that alone should cause us to just pause for a minute in awe and in worship of God to say, what a grace that he would even allow us to walk in relationship with him and time and time and time and time again bring sacrifices back. When we would make a mistake, we would look forward to bringing our sacrifice and a day of atonement. They, whew, whew, we get to walk in relationship with God Okay, we're okay, guys. We are okay. And then the days and the weeks and the months and the year would roll on, and we'd have to do it again. We are looking for something that is forever, something that is permanent, something that doesn't need to be fixed. Because you know what's as awesome as a Lego Jeep? A real one. Because it is permanent. It has greater structure. I can actually fit in it. It is better to have the real thing instead of time and time again having to pick up the pieces and find the pieces that we have to bring back together to walk in relationship with God. And we find that in Jesus Christ, that he is the one, a priest who holds his role, his office permanently. Permanently. It's not going to change. Picking up then in verse 25, it says, Consequently, because of that reality, because Jesus is the forever priest, because he is the one who is going to hold his role forever, unchanging, that is going to roll into these next parts. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy innocent, holy and innocent, unstained and separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those other priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own, his own sins and for those of the people. So we're going to kind of pause there and kind of unpack a few things that we see in our, our notes. Again, reminding us that because of our need of a mediator, because of sin and because of God's holiness, we need that mediator And that Jesus shows up and he is that forever priest that we need. We need one that is permanent, not going to go anywhere. He is that. And so we find out because of his role as permanent, 
he's able to save to the uttermost. And I love this word. I love this word because it paints in my mind this picture. Um, the uttermost is uh, almost like a geography term that we would use. That, that To the uttermost, to the ends of the earth, to the, to the extent, something that is far beyond outreaching. And so it paints this picture for us that the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done to redeem us goes to the ends of the earth. It is sufficient for everyone. You know the scripture that, that we're taught is John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Would have everlasting life. The uttermost, the whole entire world. But there's this understanding of this word in this context is that it means completion. That he is able to save to completion. It's not going to have to be redone. It's not going to have to be fixed again. There's not going to be another sacrifice that is needed. Because what we see in this passage is that Jesus is the once and for all. He is the once and for all sacrifice that we need. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Goes down in verse 27. He has no need like those of high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sin and for those and those for the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Once and for all, to completion, uttermost, to the end. When you begin to think about the story of the people of Israel, it's one long run on sentence. It's cyclical. Time and time again, God shows up, redeems, restores, and walks in relationship with the people of Israel. And then they take a step away from him. And they have to repeat it. God, where are you? We need a savior. We need a deliverer. And he shows up again. And it's like their history is one gigantic long run on sentence of God shows up, walks in relationship with the people, they walk away, comma. God shows up, walks in relationship, saves them, redeems them, they walk away, comma. God shows up, redeems them, they walk away, comma. But what we find out in this passage, because Jesus is the forever high priest, the one who stands to mediate the relationship between divinity and our humanity, that it is a period this word once for all, these three words in English, is one Greek word. And it's on the screen you'll see here in a, in a second. It is epaphapax. And there's probably some other people who can say it better than me. But in that, it is actually two words, two ideas, smashed together to make one word. And it's that first, that ep, once. And hapax, once for all, once once for all. It's this massive emphasis that Jesus' sacrifice is once for all, it is done. So what happens in the story of the Israelites is they are having to continually bring sacrifices to the temple because their relationship with God needs to be mended. Jesus shows up as a high priest, but then also offers himself as the final sacrifice, the once for all. So that you no longer, the people of Israel, would no longer have to bring sacrifices to the temple. There would no longer be a, a sacrifice that's needed to be killed and laid on the altar for the sins of the people. It is done. It is finished. It is a massive period on the end of the story of the people of Israel. Everything they had been looking for and longing for, a permanency, was completed 
in Jesus Christ. He stands as the high priest there. And he shows up. And he is the once for all. And for maybe for you today, maybe you need to just kind of wrap your mind around this. This is kind of a funny sentence that I want you to write down. But Jesus is the once for all. Jesus is the once for all. For you in your life, maybe you continue to walk in a way that you think you have to renew your relationship with God time and time again. I just need to get back in church. I just need to read my Bible more. I just need to pray more. I just need to fill in the blank with whatever you think would satisfy a holy God. Maybe I just need to be nicer Maybe I just need to work a little harder. Maybe I need to, whatever you feel like, you're, you know that thing as I say it, that you feel like, well, maybe if I just did this, God would accept me. God would welcome me into his presence. And I just have some unbelievably good news for you this morning. Jesus is the once for all. Jesus is the once for all that your sins are no longer held against you. Whether you believe in him or not, your sins are no longer held against you because Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient to the uttermost. It is covered, your sins, the world's sins, past, present, and future. You and I, when we believe and when we trust in Jesus, get to live in that freedom that we are given at the cross. That freedom that changes everything, that changes the course of history. You and I get to live in that. And so whether you believe that or not, that's the truth and that's the reality from what we see in the Bible and God's word is that there is a freedom that is being offered to us once for all. Your sins, past, present, and future, have already been forgiven because the once for all sacrifice has happened. Jesus died on the cross, taking your sins, and three days later walked right out of the grave and left them there. They are done. They're done. So we have a high priest, a permanent one, who stands right now mediating our relationship with God and allowing us to live in the freedom. And so I want to invite you this year to believe that, that it's done So you can live in light of that grace. And it goes on to say, starting in chapter 8, verse 1. Now the point in what we're saying of all these things about Jesus as the high priest is that we have such a high priest, a permanent one, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if you were on earth, you would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained the ministry. Uh, we'll finish there. We'll go back to verse 5. See that you make everything according to the pattern and make shown to you on the mountain. In this little section, he's trying to summarize his, his, his ideas that he's pulling out for us. That Jesus is the great high priest. 
He is the permanent one. He is the one that according to the laws, he wouldn't even been considered the role of the high priest. But because of God's oath and God's like promise, his, his swearing upon himself, I make an oath. I will redeem and I will restore my people and I will set up a priest forever. What's our word? Oh, come on, 1130. What's our word? Permanent. A permanent priest. One that does not need to change. One that does not need to find a new peace. And what we're seeing in this passage is that right now, I love, I love this picture in verse 2. It says he's a minister in the holy places, in the true tent, sitting at the right hand of the Father, Jesus, right now. A resurrected body sitting right next to the Father, doing the work of ministry. Verse 2, a ministry in the holy places. Here's what I just want to understand this morning, is that the work of Jesus continues. The work of Jesus continues right now. But Luke, didn't you just say it's done? Yes, the sacrifice is done. But the work of mediating our relationship with God continues forever, a permanent fixture. That because of who Jesus is, you and I can draw near to God Almighty right now. And in every situation, in every moment of your life, you can draw near to God the Father right now through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life is what John tells us about Jesus. That through him, we can walk into relationship with the Father. We can boldly draw near to him. And we see this also repeated earlier in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. Verse 16, this is incredible, chapter 4. Let us then, because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. This is the role of the high priest right now, the work of the ministry that Jesus continues right now right now for you, interceding on your behalf, making sure that the path is unobstructed for you to quickly come and go into the Father's house, to live in a relationship with him. You and I have access to the eternal God through Jesus Christ. Like just let that kind of soak in for a minute. As Christians, it's not about what you do. It's about the relationship you get to live in. Christianity is not a list of rules and things you must do. Christianity is a relationship that we get to walk in. Boldly approaching the throne of grace. Boldly approaching the throne of grace. You and I have access to God all the time. And so this year, what, what, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Why wouldn't you step into it? The New Testament writers have this expression, this word, Abba, 
to describe who God the Father is because of our relationship through Jesus Christ, we get to have with God that he is Abba, Daddy. It's an intimate, familial term that we get to live in right now. And so many of us, we still view God as this distant other than thing, this thing that is so great that how could we ever step into his presence? It's, it's this, I don't understand it. It's mysterious. It's uh, something far beyond my comprehension. Yes, it is. But you, through Jesus Christ, get to boldly step into that relationship and find rest, find purpose, find value, find love, find hope, Things that are, what's our word? Permanent. Permanent. I like that kid, whoever yelled that out. Permanent. Permanent. Not changing. Forever. Long lasting. You know what? It's a lot better than a Lego Jeep that my kids are going to take apart and it's not going to be able to be what it is anymore because I can't find the pieces. Something that lasts longer. Jesus' work continues. So just imagine with me. I invite you to just kind of close your eyes and just picture this for a moment. As we begin to kind of land this plane today. For centuries, all you knew was a system of sacrifices. All you knew is that to walk in relationship with God, to feel safe, secure, loved, whole, You had to bring sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And the priest that you knew, that knew your story and knew your relationship, but he may not be there that next day that you come because he's an earthly vessel. He's a shadow of something. And time 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 again, You have to offer a sacrifice. How weary you must be. How tired you must be. How, almost in a way, hopeful but yet hopeless because you're like, I hope this one sticks. I've got to come back next year. I hope this is working. I hope this thing between me and God is all right. And then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and he says, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said and you've done these things, but I say. Jesus is the completion of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus is the reality and the shadows are gone. The physical, the real is there. Jesus shows up and changes everything about their understanding of how to interact with God. Freedom, because you don't have to bring a sacrifice again time and time and time and time and time again. And yet terrifying because there's a, the rules have changed. Well, you're telling me I don't have to bring a sacrifice to the temple anymore? Yep, that's right. You don't have to bring that anymore. You get to walk and live in a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. You don't have to bring that sacrifice anymore. You are free. It is freeing and terrifying all at the same time because the systems and the structures and the rules that they had been good and and were worthwhile and ultimately pointing to Jesus, that's all they knew. And Jesus offers them a new way of life. 
And for us today, as we start a new year together as a church family, there's a new way of life. There's a new way. And so we, as many people, bring resolutions to this new year. I am resolved to fill in the blank. I am resolved to do these things. And here's what I invite you to. I want to invite you to be resolved to live in a radical grace. A radical grace that is offered to you by God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that you get to live in this year. As free men and free women, no longer bound by the power of sin, it is removed. As far as the east is from the west, you are free. Your sins are no longer held against you, past, present, and future. And right now, you have a high priest who is mediating your relationship with God the Father, wide open. There is no obstruction, and God's just dumping grace after grace, grace after grace, after grace, after grace, after grace, put it on repeat, broken record, after grace, after grace, on you, on us. And we get to live in that today and for the rest of the year. You guys awake? Yeah. That is something that we get to live into because we're no longer playing church. We're walking in a relationship. We get to live in light of the truth that Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, things change because here's the reality. Yes, your sins are removed from you, past, present, and future. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love or grace. You're free. Woo! Yeah, there you go. But here's the cool thing. Ain't nothing you got to do. Let my little southern draw hang out. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing you got to do to earn the love of God. Ain't nothing you got to do to earn his grace. He just pulled the dump truck, backed up to your life, and is just going to pour it out. But here's what we get to do, church. This is what just pumps me up. I'm caught in an awe in a moment that God would actually choose to love Luke Bilberry. Like, I know me. I know me, Pastor Nathan. Like, and you know me pretty well, too. Like, I'm messed up. I'm broken, I'm jacked up, I'm likely to open my mouth and shove this foot so far in my mouth all the time. Because I'm messed up, I'm broken. And I bet many of you could probably identify with that as well. Like if they only knew my thoughts. If they only knew the things that were running around in my heart and my mind, there's no way God would love me. There's no way God would let me walk into his presence boldly and just say, what's up, Dad? But that's the truth. That's the reality. For no other reason than for God so loved a fool like Luke Bilberry did he pour out his grace on me. Unworthy, undeserving, and that's each of us all around the world. But year 2022, here's what we get to do. We get to live in that radical grace and we get to respond radically. A radical grace from God is an invitation to a radical response. 
a radical grace of God Almighty poured into our lives is an invitation to come and radically respond with everything in our life. That there is nothing that is ours anymore. And it's not out of obligation because God says, I saved you, now go do X, Y, and Z. It's, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. God, you would do this in my life and you would save me and redeem me. I'll do whatever. Send me wherever, I'll do whatever. I'll talk to whoever, I will proclaim whoever. I will be ashamed in front of the world for you, Jesus Christ, because, oh my gosh, you saved me. You right now, Jesus, are fighting on my behalf in front of the Father, and you've given me your spirit to live inside me? This is 2022 for us, church. And I meant it when we said it. We might sound pretty crazy, but Christ is greater than anything because he is, what's our word? Permanent. You can have a permanent relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our King, and our High Priest, who for the joy set before him, we're going to get there, Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy set before him, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shamed, so that you and I could be redeemed, so that you and I could be saved. And walk in a relationship with God. And it changes everything. It changes how we respond to the people in our workplace. It changes how we live our lives. And students, who's ready to go back to school tomorrow? All the parents said, amen. Yes, Lord, hallelujah. Go back to school. I'll see you at 345. Students, kids in the place, wherever you go to school, whatever school looks like for you. School is not something that you just have to do. It's a place of worship. Because you get to radically respond to the grace that God has poured into your life, that he's offering to you. It is a place of radical response. Because wherever you go, there's no longer a temple that we have to offer sacrifices. Wherever you go, the scriptures actually tell us that you are a holy temple. That the presence of God Almighty dwells within you. And guess what, parents? You ain't off the hook. Because your workplace and your family time and your habits and your free time, all of those things, guess what? Are places of worship. Where the name of Jesus gets to be lifted high and people all around you get to see and experience the goodness of God because you are walking in relationship with him. They get to see Jesus. Your workplace and your family time, everything about you is an act of worship. And we gather in this place on Sunday and it is a time of worship, a holy moment for us. But it's for one purpose and only. It's to recalibrate, to encourage one another because it's hard sometimes. And it's time for us to go back out as missionaries to help people experience who God is. That's what we get to do. It's a radical response. It changes everything. When you look back, December 31st, 2022, when you look back and say, I got to walk in a deeper relationship with God Almighty because I ran after Jesus. And everywhere I went was a place of worship. Every breath was a song of praise. Every 
thought was in radical response to the grace that's been poured out into my life. So I just want to invite you into that 2022 to see some things change, a radical grace experience in your life. And if you don't know what that is, man, we want to talk with you about that. we got some green, folks with green lanyards. we got some people that will be back in the prayer room. We want you to live in radical grace. And you're like, you don't know my story. God can redeem anyone at any time from anything. His grace is sufficient for you. Please believe it and trust it. I'm not just making this stuff up. It's, it's what we stake our lives on here. Everything. We stake our eternity on it. And for those of you who know Jesus, it's time, to, it's time to live in the radical response, to see things change. And one small way is we want to help you do that with these five areas. There's a little notebook you can take on the way out. Just some questions. Nothing crazy profound. Just be honest with yourself and then share this with people around you. Because we think your life is compromised of five different areas. Your faith, your finances, your work, your school, your relationships, and your habits. Everywhere you go and everything you do is an act of worship. And we just want to help you take that next step, whatever that looks like for you. To be a transformed follower of Jesus, your body offered as a living sacrifice to a God who is worthy. And so I want to invite you to stand because we are transformed followers of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we passionately respond to God. And I want to read a prayer, a benediction, a word for us into this new year. Jude, verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you, yes you, blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To present you blameless in the presence of God Almighty with great joy. Joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority before all time. Now, now, right now, and forevermore. Happy New Year. May you live in the radical grace of Jesus. And may you respond radically with everything in your life. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise you for being a God who is incredible. A God is the God that we don't deserve because we are sinful, broken people. But God, you offer us life to the fullest, life everlasting, life unending in you, Jesus Christ. Ones that have purpose, value, hope, a future. And so, God, I just thank you for these friends that are gathered here. Holy Spirit, would you do that, a work in us? Would you protect us so that you can offer us blameless before the Father with great joy? And all these things are for your glory, for your power, and for your name, Father, that you just receive praise. And as we passionately respond to you, God, would you stir in our hearts Would you move us, help us have that conversation or take that next step, whatever that looks like, Lord Jesus. We are your living sacrifice. Have your way for your glory, for your purpose, here and now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.